Welcome to the media ministry of Crossroads Church Aspen. To learn more about Crossroads, visit our website at ccaspen.com. We hope you enjoyed this message by Pastor Steve Woodrow. If you're uh, with us, joining with us for the first time, we are in a series in 1 John, and we're going to look at two verses in chapter 2, verses 15 through 17 this morning. And um, I, I want to accomplish just to kind of roll out uh, two primary things for us to, to really press into. Uh, we're looking at this issue of living in the world and doing the wor- will of God. And how do we do that? How do we live in this world as we're going to see as John describes this world that the things of this world are not the things of God. You can't love this world and love the Father. And there's just great confusion on, on that whole thing. We all feel the pull of the world, right? Uh, we know what it's like. Um, but how do we live in the world, but also do the will of the Father? And I hope to just give us a couple uh, th- handles on that, some practical things. And, and here they are. And we're going to try to break these down this morning. Uh, the first one is this question of, are you a follower of Jesus? Because we're going to look at John 13, and Jesus says, they will know, it says, you're my disciples, He doesn't use the word, they'll know you're Christians by our love like the whole song goes. Because sadly today, folks, um, there's a radical difference in in America between a Christian and a disciple. A Christian is something we see even as a political nomicer or as as a social thing now, um, which can be misused. Or it's just what I am. It's It's where I go to church or it's what I believe. Um, But do you realize that that's not why Jesus came? He didn't come to make Christians. He came to call people to follow him. To deny ourselves, pick up our cross and follow him. And I want to make sure that right in in our discipleship. So the first question in this this morning of living in the world and doing the will of God is I have to really wrestle with the question of am I a follower of Jesus and how do I know? And have the practical outworking of that is, am I a disciple and am I a a part of the great commission of being discipled and making disciples? What does that look like? Have I entered into that with, uh, with people, right, to journey deep within my soul? And what we see in the scripture is once I start following him, the next phase, in other words, we see this with Jesus is that uh, the first part that is learning to what it is to follow him, to be a child of God. It is not just showing up at church. It's not just going to a Bible study. It's not just having a lot of biblical knowledge. It is having my heart surrendered more and more to my Lord to follow him. And and here's the other thing. It cannot happen in isolation. It is impossible to be alone and have my own personal walk with Jesus. This idea of a personal savior, you won't find it in the scripture. It doesn't happen outside of what? community the journey with others for me to follow Jesus his requirement was just like he did with the 12 is I do it with others and uh, I'm very limited and that overflow should be what I do in my private time before the Lord those two feed each other the second part of this is um wow that was kind of weird um I don't think I have my phone um the second part of that is going deeper so I first my question is have you journeyed? Have you spent time, ladies, with some other ladies around the question of how do we follow Jesus? 
It's not based on a felt need, not based on, you know, what I can get from God or a topic or anything else. It's solely based upon how do I follow Jesus and encouraging one another. We start this so that we understand what this is, because sadly, folks, in America, we have thrown this idea out that uh, we've made Christians, but we haven't made disciples. And Jesus doesn't offer that opportunity. You can't be a Christian if you're not a disciple. He wants followers. And the only way I can really understand what that looks like, and if I am, is if I obey what he calls me to, to step into discipleship with others to learn how to follow him, right? And then once we do that, and we kind of get this firm foundation, and we break out of the idea of just Christianity, of just religion, of just going to church, or just saying, this is what I believe, into making it personal, where we're encouraging one another to go on a personal level. The next stage of this is, you call it a lot of different things, but spiritual formation. It is understand. It's going to a deeper level, right? And again, this can't happen in isolation. It has to happen in the context of discipleship, commitment to smaller groups of people to really wrestle with the text. How, how does this happen? How do I do the will of God? What does Jesus mean by denying myself? What do I understand what happened at salvation? Do I know that the spirit of God entered my soul? Do I know something of the spirit's work upon my mind, my emotion, and my will? And unless I understand these dynamics and how the, what the scripture has to say into that, you know what? I will never, I'll, I'll, I'll be a fragmented person. And what we're going to see here is that the gospel is to make us whole. And, and the problem with being just in our definition today of just a, this Christian without being a disciple is we remain fragmented. Maybe I give God a certain time in the week. Maybe I give him a certain aspect of my life. But my mind, my thinking has not been surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus. My feelings have not been surrendered to the Lord Jesus. The gospel has not informed my feelings that now submit right to him rather than leading out. And unless my mind and my emotions, right, my soul, my heart, all this working understands how to take the truth of God by the power of the Spirit of God that's in me to inform these areas of my life, I will never really get in the zone of understanding what it is to do the will of the Father. Does this make sense at all? These two things. And um, so... This morning, let's dive in, and I just, the practical aspect is just to ask yourself, how am I doing when it comes to being a follower? Am I involved with people who are challenging me in these areas? All areas of my life, am I surrendering to him and growing in these areas? Am I seeing more transformation in my life? Is there a commitment to be a follower, not just to, not with as we're going to see me at the center, but a transforming reality to put my eyes on Jesus. No real transformation happens if I focus on me. Deny yourself is what Jesus says. And folks, I just, this is huge. We need a complete change about in the sense of how we apply the gospel when it comes to spiritual formation. So many, even in the church, models and systems and just the mentality of the world is to, I got to work on me. No, that is not the Christian way. This might shatter your understanding. Working on me is not the Christian way. Transformation comes when we get a vision of who Jesus is. And I answer the call to follow him and learn to set my entire being on him. And when I do that, 
guess what? His word informs me about who I am in his eyes and my eyes. If I go the other way, I focus upon getting me healthy, right? Is it's a circular thing. It's exactly where we're at today, why we're not seeing the great transformation, because we got this backwards. We're missing the call of Jesus, the focus set on him, right? Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the one who reigns and loves you. And this idea of setting our mind on the things above, not below. Seeing my mind and denying myself, focusing on me, will keep you in a place of depression. Will keep you locked with very little transformation. You'll continually have to go through the same routine year after year, month after month, without really laying hold of the new abundant life that Christ gives you. I need that to, we need to wrestle with that. Punch back on it. But don't punch back on it upon how you feel. Punch back when it comes to what does God's word say? What does he tell us this radical shift is all about? And so 1 John chapter 2, just these powerful verses, you've heard them before. Verse 15, John says this to the church, do not love the world. Or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes. It's up on the screen, sorry. Let me start over. And by the way, there's Bibles underneath the chair in front of you. If you would like a a nice paper Bible to read along with with us here. Um, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father. It's from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. Well, there's a lot there, right? Now, I'm not going to take too much time to break down these three things. This is just consistent through the box. It goes all the way back to Genesis. This is what happened to Adam and Eve, right? This is how the enemy came with a temptation. It was the desires of the eyes, the lust of the flesh. It was the pride of life. I can do life better than God. I'll go around him. I'll go around his word. Uh, there's nothing new under the sun. This is the world. And um, again, let me... Um, just point out here a few verses. I'm not going to take time, but do some biblical theology. And in the sense of, okay, what does John mean by the world, right? That's opposed. If I love the world, I don't love the Father. The love is, again, there's so much talk about love today. We're going to just dive in here in a minute to define the, the, the idea of, of love, in God's eyes, understand what that is. But just take these verses. This is just where in First John, he uses the, the word world. So for us to understand this, we have to take a look at how he uses that word in the entire book. Um, and so I just encourage you to go uh, do that. And some of you might be saying, well, wait a minute. John, in the gospel, John, in chapter 3, verse 16, he, he says, For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Right, so how does this mix? So this is very important to understand. Is even in this this remember while we were yet sinners, God loves us. So in the midst of this world that has rejected God, that is bound up by the enemy, who is, if you go to chapter five, first John, the ruler of this world is the adversary, is Satan, is the devil. 
And he's the one that moves, right, our, with, in conjunction with our flesh, desires of the eyes, desires of the flesh, the pride of life. He's the one, just like with Adam and Eve, who stirs that temptation. There's nothing new under the sun. There's nothing new when it comes to temptation that we all can completely relate to, right? But God sees that and he loves that, this world, to redeem it, to send his son into this darkness to bring the light and to call us out, right? To call us out from that. And so it begins here, folks, with just a biblical understanding of the world. And then that should lead us to this next big question, which is, do we know how we are called to be set apart from the world? Holy. God says, I'm holy. Therefore, I want my people to be holy. And it raises the real big question for all of us, doesn't it? In the sense of what we see in the Bible, to be a follower of Jesus is to learn how to be set apart from the world. Holy, a child of God. There should be evident difference of how people see us in in the church body and then how they see others. And it's pretty convicting, isn't it, for us? And this is a question we all have to ask. Am I living any different than any of my people who don't believe in Jesus? Is anybody watching me? Do I handle my money different? My tongue different? Right? My, my, my media different? My attitude? Just go to the list. Am I living set apart? And I will not do that if I am not in discipleship. And we see the power of the world because folks, let me tell you, all week long, or even now, it's been longer than that for me, just realizing there's a lot of world inside me. Lord, let's get it out. Teach me. There's a lot of world. There's too much world inside the church today. It's got to get out. It's got to be exposed. It's got to get out for the church to be the church. Right? So it can be that shining beacon separated, pulled apart, holy. Not something that looks like, oh, that's just holy, that's so boring. That's so, that's the lie of the enemy. That's the lie, right? That our kids take full line, hook, line, sinker. They don't want to do anything. Holiness, they think they can throw a better party than God. And I bet some of us think that because of the decision we make. We think we can throw a better party than God. Wow, that's bold, isn't it? I mean, that's the pride of life, isn't it? That, you know, I, I, I can do better about joy and we're going to pray at the end, but my heart breaks. This weekend was an insight into the darkest parts of our community. And there's just this ongoing lie that we can throw a better party than God. And you know, here's the deal. We're supposed to be a light that shows the better party. We're supposed to be the joy and the love. How we interact with one another. What happens when we gather together to be an example to others and say, what's going on over there? And when we exchange and when we talk to others, we have no ability to be a witness if we don't live in joy. The joy of the Lord, no matter what's going on around me. And the reality is I have to deal with it myself. I have no excuse to not be joyful if I know Jesus. Now, that's a strong thing. That's brutal. I have to own my feelings. He's died for that. And if I'm struggling to be joyful, guess what? The course is discipleship and spiritual formation. I got to flesh that out. I, I got to have other people show me how to be set free, right? And show me how to set my eyes on him, on the things above, so I'm not so bound up with me and with my feelings, 
And um, over and over again, all, and next week we're going to go deep on that issue, by the way. To show that all the, you look back throughout history and the shift was, get our eyes off ourselves. Set your eyes on Jesus. It is the only way for transformation. It's the only way for real breakthrough. We've taken just the opposite. The world has crept in with all of its schemes into the church and into the gospel. And can we not see? Where's the joy? It's been robbed. Right? Rather than setting our eyes on the king, right, of kings. So, I love this. Trinity gave this uh, quote um, last week at Alpha. Afterwards, hope you'll stay after for a great discussion. Um, The world says, love yourself, grab all you can, follow your heart. Jesus says, deny yourself, grab your cross and follow me. It's beautiful, clear as it can be, right? And the only way I can learn how to do that is I have to get right in a a group of of other men, small, where we just iron sharpens out, ladies as well, and we're diving in to the scriptures. How do we do God? Praying for each other, pushing one another, doing what Jesus did with the 12. That's the course of discipleship, right? If I'm not willing to step into that, guess what? You can go to a thousand Bible studies. You can go to seminary. You can get all the biblical knowledge in the world in your head. You can listen to a thousand podcasts. Let me tell you, your soul will not transform. You will not learn to be a better follower of Christ. You will pack your head full of information. But that mind is not informed by the spirit, right, to do the will of God. You think, here's the deception. I think because I have biblical knowledge that I'm doing the will of God. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Just because I have biblical knowledge doesn't mean that I'm actually doing what God's will. To do God's will means I have to be in intimate fellowship with God and have to bring my mind and my feelings, emotions, and heart to bear with the word of God and that truth so that I listen to the Father and do the will of God. Because you know what? Just doing the right thing doesn't mean that it's what God's will. He might have something else. He might have me just to be quiet. Does that make sense, gang? This is deep water. This is spiritual formation. Learning how to, how to do that. So, let me uh, move on here. Do we know... Oh, that was where I was. How do we do the will of the Father? Okay. The gospel transforms our whole being set apart from the world through discipleship and spiritual uh, formation. Um, this is... The, the, where I'm going to shift now from discipleship and this idea of living in the world and doing the will of God, I, I, um, it, it's interesting because when those two verses that we read, the last part of it ends, it says, but, it says, here are the things of the world. Don't love the world. We all understand something of the, the desires of the eyes, right? The lust of the eyes. We all understand the lust of the flesh. We understand the pride, putting me at the center. It's about me. I got to fix me. We understand all of that. Right? We wrestle with it. It's just reality, right? But see, what's interesting is, is that we focus on that and we think, oh, it's almost kind of a downer. But the passage ends, but whoever does the will of the Father abides forever. And we miss the most important piece, which is learning how to do the will of the Father. And that's the only way that I'll be set free from the things of the world. And folks, I do think it's part of, it's not doing a self-examination necessarily as much as it's the more, and you see it in scripture, the more I set my eyes on who God is, 
The more I come to the word of God and, and set my eyes on God with others in worship and set our eyes upon God's holy call to our life. That is when he, the Holy Spirit, truly exposes the sin and problems in my life. Just me going and exploring, fixing me, right, is dangerous business. And it flips and erodes the power of the gospel. Right? And again, as I said, this dynamic of moving into spiritual formation is understanding it. We have to move, move from prescriptive things, doing the law, to personal walk with God. Knowing that he has joy, he has love for us. And he wants to, us to follow him. And he's given us everything we need for life and godliness. That's the promise. He has given us everything we need. And so we have to seek him. And we have to learn how to hear the voice of God. Not follow a bunch of steps. Don't get me wrong. There's, there's plenty of good steps. Right? You hear what I'm saying, I think. But who's teaching you to hear the voice of God? That the biblical knowledge has gone in your head that you know how to flesh it out and you hear the Father's voice. Focusing on me and myself and my issues is not going to, it's going to shut that down. Me as a child coming and abandoning, blessed the poor in spirit, teach me, speak to me, God. Remember last week you talked about, it was Martin Lloyd-Jones that said, the problem today and lack of transformation and spiritual depression is that we right, are listening right, to ourselves rather than speaking to ourselves. It's profound. This is exactly what this is talking about. Is we're caught in this loop. I'm listening to myself because I'm focused on myself. And I'm listening to what the world says about myself and what others say about myself rather than what? Speaking the truth of how God sees me and sees everything. There's a radical difference there, folks. And that should be fleshed out in discipleship. And then from there, we move to the deeper aspect of man. Letting the gospel come and transform my soul. And so I'm just going to throw some things out where spiritual formation comes in this line. And, and, and this is where we need to help each other. We need to reorient the whole church to this is the central focus, right? And to call each other into this. And uh, it's, it's understanding what's happened in your soul. When you received, and when, when, P, when uh, Paul says at the end of 2 Corinthians, he says, examine yourselves. We take that so therapeutically today because of the world. Hey, what, examine, you know, get in there. Just talk about your life. Talk about all the deal. What's going on? What's your thoughts and everything? That's not what he means. You read the rest of the context. Examine yourselves. What's his question? To see that Christ is in you. Is Jesus in your heart? Is he the main focus of your thinking, your emotions, your mind? Is he truly sitting on the Lord, the throne of your heart, your emotions, your mind? Do you know that the Spirit of God has entered into your soul, right? And is now in fellowship, awakening your spirit to inform your thinking, your emotions, your feelings, your heart, and ultimately your will. Why I do things. And the joy of the gospel is Jesus didn't come just to keep us a fragmented people. Folks, are we not a fragmented culture? So fragmented, getting more fragmented. And even in the church, 
We're to be the most whole people. He came to redeem our entire being. To unite our mind, our emotions, our will with our spirit informing all that as we're in fellowship with the Holy Spirit that brings abundant life to all this. And this is why I'm saying you can learn, you can go to a thousand Bible studies, pack your brain full of all kinds of Bible knowledge and still not have your will or your emotions informed by the Spirit of God. And we see it all the time. Time, it's it's a problem for a lot of pastors holistic is, is my whole life being, being overwhelmed captivated by the spirit of God as he's transforming me moving me health right is wholeness and that's why he saved us and ultimately he's going to save the entire our physical body he's going to redeem that right this is the abundant life that Jesus calls us to and without a, a, a moving into man let's wrestle this out I gotta, I gotta know Right? Without wrestling out with one another in the context, right, of of engaging one another at a deeper level, right? But we, we don't we don't experience much life change. And this is where the fruit of the spirit flows. The fruit of the spirit is is quenched when there is a fragmented soul. The fruit of the Spirit is the Spirit of God Himself because God is all those things. So when He has reign and when He's informing my thinking, when He is the main thing I'm thinking about. And let's just face it, folks. Sometimes, I mean, this week, I, I, had, a, I had a day just out of nowhere. Some one little thing happened and we had this big funeral here and so many things going on. And I, mean, I was just hit with this like overwhelming darkness and, and just like this. It was just like, whoa. It was a clear, do you know, are you aware of when you are under spiritual attack? Or do you just give into it? And to know how to fight that off. And sometimes it takes weapons, all the spiritual gifts are there to fight that stuff off, right? And, uh, and to restore the joy. And so the enemy, he, what does it say? He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And folks, he's doing that. At a level right now with our young people, the darkness and everything that's going. And he comes in first to fragment my soul, to get my thinking removed from my feelings. Let me live by my feelings. Let them inform me rather than faith, right? And, and it, it, it's a fragmented soul is a place where darkness dwells, chaos dwells. When the Spirit of God comes and fills us. This is why Peter uh, or Paul you know, continually said, be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not just a one-time thing. It's an ongoing, filling, moving, intimacy, power, right? Fellowship with God. That my mind is overwhelmed and that my feelings, right, are set below, right, what God says about me. And that my will is surrendered to God. So before my decisions on anything, I'm learning how to surrender those decisions to God. And all this works together as I fellowship with God and he moves me into this wholeness, this place of peace. That's the soul where the fruit of the Spirit is able to reside. Joy, love. And folks, we need to break through the fracturing, right? We need to see wholeness in all that. So just those two things to hold on to. We're called to live in this world. But how do we live in this world with everything going on and all the the consumerism? I mean, we are so flooded with the things of the world that attack our senses and our flesh, right? And and, and again, the pride of life. It's about me. I got to fix me. I got to take time to work on me. Folks, those are just lies of the enemy. They're going to take you down a wrong road. 
We set our eyes on Jesus. We set our eyes on things above. And our Lord and Savior has got it all in control. I shed those things. But I have to learn how to do that in prayer and community with others, right? So I can lay hold of the reality of the Spirit's working in my soul. He's there. This is why Paul said, examine yourselves. Is Christ there? Is he transforming? Is the Spirit of God there? Right? And so I leave those two things to wrestle with and just let's engage. If you if pray into this, let's dive in into discipleship and spiritual formation. Go after this. And, uh, um, and pray for each other, right? To see that. So with that said, let me, um, I want to just transition us. And Derek, if you guys would come back. Um, and, uh, you know, Jesus said that the church is to be um, a house of prayer. And uh, part of that attack over me this week was just the overwhelming reality of the darkness, the fracturing of people's souls. And that the things that the enemy is providing our young people and everybody as a numbing way of dealing with these issues. It's killing people. He's the thief who comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And God has his church loving and supporting one another, but on mission to bring hope, right? And not just hope, but to love, right? Uh, um, John 13, uh, folks, please go read it. it he's, Jesus says, that I give you a new commandment. You're to love one another like I loved you. So love is to love like Jesus loved, and then he says, then you'll know, uh, the world will know that you're my disciples, you're my followers. And how did Jesus love? Let me just move us past any gushy, water, empathetic kind of just mercy. All that's there in one form or another. But what did Jesus do? How did he love people? He loved their entire being. What? Yeah. He loved their entire being. He stepped into their life with deliverance and healing. He didn't leave them in bondage. He called his labors to step out boldly, dependent on the Holy Spirit completely, to bring life, right? Not systems, not methods, but to bring the very power of God into people's lives. The only thing that's truly going to set somebody free. And it's time for the church just to set aside our wimpy little things that have been informed by the world that aren't transforming anybody. Remember, if you come to Jesus, there should be a dark to light experience. And if not then we should raise the question, have I really met the king of kings? The power of God. You're to carry that. That's the love of God to take that into somebody's, not just to pray for them. Right? It's to bring the power of God into their life. Right? And to be bold with that. Right? And folks, Jesus, when he looked at the crowds, he had compassion on them. They were harassed, demonically afflicted by the darkness of the world. And they were helpless. And folks, if and all the money in the world, it can't do it. It makes it worse. Right? Again, that's part of the enemy's scheme. So let's just right now, guys, if we just maybe um, just play whatever you want. But um, I want to call us to prayer. With compassion, Lord, awaken in us a, a moving, a compassion, Lord, that you had. To see the darkness, Lord, and, and equip us, we do not have, and this is the blessed of the poor in spirit, right? 
is we need the power of God. We need the love of God to inform us what we need to do to carry out the will of God. And, um, and to pray for our city. And so we have the mic up here. It's going to be right here in the, in the center. And I just want to take a few moments just to just bathe this community with light and hope and the love of God that Lord would start to stir this place up, stir his people up with a compassion to not sit around any longer, but to be bold, to call this junk out. Right? We're in the midst of a war and the world is, is roaring with darkness quickly. Not to sit back, you know, apathetic. So Father, we just come to you now. Lord, I just want to take some time just to, to cry out to you, God. Lord, well up in us a deep compassion for the darkness, Lord. It's over so much of this community, so much of over the world. It is the world. Father, let us, you've given us responsibility to be a lighthouse in this community, God. Break through the wealth. Break through, Lord, the barriers. Break through, Lord, Father, just the walls. Break through all the, the Lord, the cycle of, of numbing the soul, Lord, that's killing people. Lord, awaken people's souls. Give us eyes for the harvest, Lord. Instill in your people a joy. Like we see in the book of Acts. It was a a joy that had a boldness, Lord, that just over, not judgmental, but just flowed with your love, Jesus. Boldly stepping into people's lives. Boldly stepping in the darkness into this city and bringing your light. Bringing your power, God. Father, thank you for 1 John 4, 4. Folks, when we hold on, greater is He, and I want to just proclaim this over each one of you, greater is He who's in you. If the Spirit of God and Christ is in your heart, greater is He's in you than He is in the world. There's no darkness out there that can match the power of the Spirit of God that resides in your soul. You have His power to bring into the worst of the worst situations to see breakthrough. Because of him. So Father, please, break into this community. Break into our hearts. Break our hearts, God, for the fragmentation. Pour out your love, Lord. Thank you for listening to this message. To hear other messages or learn more about Crossroads Church, visit our website at ccaspen.com.